Welcome to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. This podcast is brought to you by SavingYouTaxes.com and hosted by J. Barry Watts. As an advanced tax strategist and enrolled agent federally licensed by the IRS, Barry is uniquely qualified to go deeper into the Internal Revenue Code than most accountants. He understands and interprets its provisions explaining how they'll help you reduce income taxes you owe so you can direct that previously wasted tax money into tax-free accounts that you can enjoy in your retirement years. Now, on today's episode... Welcome to another edition of The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. I'm Barry Watts, your host, alongside your producer, Patrice Sikora, who famously was called a babe by no other than Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) Patrice, welcome to the studio today. Well, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm having fun. It's good here in the Missouri Ozarks. How are things in the Big Apple? Well, we still don't have any snow. It's been a winter of no snow, and it's uh, gloomy, chilly, but no snow. Well, We're talking I'm the end of February here, and this is I'm no snow. Figuring no snow is a good thing. We've had 70 degrees here this week. We're recording this in February, <gasps> and uh, I think the uh, winter hopefully is all behind us. That's the way I'd prefer it, in fact. Well, we did have a tornado this week. In oh, that was exciting. That's yeah. one of our things. We ship that out there to you. You know, not far from here is not far from here is the famous Joplin tornado of 11 years ago that killed like 150 people oh, just an hour down the road. And so tornadoes are a thing that we do here in uh, the Midwest. I know you East Coast folks are more hurricane. Do, 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 do me a favor. Keep them right there. We well, don't, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a client, a person, a guy who found me off the podcast. In fact, did I mention we were doing a podcast? Well, oh, this is yeah. this is the podcast. We're a live, sort of a yeah. live radio show at the moment. I am your producer. So, yeah, I'm okay. talking. I'm talking with this guy from, uh, I think he was from Washington State. He found my podcast. He listened to the podcast. He calls in, which you can do that. We're going to tell you how to do that at the end. He calls in, and we're having to talk about the things we talk about on the podcast. And he was thinking about moving to Southwest Missouri because the cost of living was less, taxes were less. He liked the uh, political culture here and so forth. and uh, But he was very afraid to move here because he'd heard about the tornadoes. Oh, <laughs> and okay. all the people, all the people who live here would be like, what the heck are you talking about? You know, uh, yeah, sometimes there's some tornadoes, but th- that doesn't really matter. I mean, we don't get excited about it, that you build back what they tear down and hope they don't kill anybody and you move on with your life. So there's your little tornado tip, and it's the appropriate time of the year for a tornado tip because they tend to hit more in the spring. So isn't it interesting? We are a full service podcast covering all the basis of information that you need to know. There's it's a weather, weather service tip. as well. Weather service. Yeah. Yeah. There's your weather tip. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've got something that's kind of grinding on me. I want to tell you about, I was teaching a workshop a couple of nights ago and I am waxing on eloquent about taxes. I hope that people think I wax eloquently. I don't know. Wax, why do they say you're waxing? Wax on, wax off. Uh, anyway, I'm talking about taxes, explaining things, how, how things work and talking about the different kinds of accounts and how they're taxed. And I happened to talk about Roth IRAs. And at the end of it, one guy sitting about two thirds of the way back says, well, that's all great. I don't qualify for a Roth IRA because I've retired from working. Hello? Well, you know, I want to give everybody a test. And this is the this is the singular test to see if you can qualify for an IRA. Okay, are you ready? Here's the test. Uh, okay, it's real simple. Okay. Are you breathing? I think that's a yes. Because if you're breathing, 
and you have any kind of ordinary income, we can qualify you for a Roth IRA either one way or another, the front door or the back door. Now, in this particular case, the topic I was having was not about Roth contributions. And you'd be amazed at how many people get confused about that because I wasn't talking about Roth contributions, you know, the six or 7,000 that you're allowed to put in per year. I was talking about strategic Roth integrations, where you bring a Roth in alongside your IRA and you do massive amounts of movement of money from your IRA over to your Roth, pay the taxes, get it all cleansed and so forth. But apparently I can't do that. It's because some old guy on the back row says, I'm too old. I can't qualify for a Roth. Well, I am sure you set him straight. Well, I did gently because I was already headed out the door, but here's the deal. Quit telling me what you can and can't do. I'm a professional. This is what I do for a living. I know the rules and I, I'm just always amazed that people don't look quizzical and raise their hand and ask. They declare instead. Well, you know, you can't do that. I mean, I had a surgeon in one time who said, well, you know, you're going to have to pay tax on all that Roth money later. No, doctor, Roths aren't taxable. Well, I not, thought not they later. were. Not later. Well, I know you're an expert on a lot of things, but why don't you stick to surgery? So anyway, I sound cynical, don't I? I probably need to get over that. No, you sound like you're from Missouri. Or Do Missouri. I? Excuse me, Missouri. Yes, it's John Ashcroft, and I appreciate you saying Missouri. Because that's where he and I are from. I don't know where the rest of these folks are from. So, <laughs> hey, I got a topic for us today. Are you ready to go? Go for it. We're going to talk about insurance. Woohoo! Is that it. exciting or what? You said it. You said it. Insurance. No. <laughs> I, I, I how, how, how do you say it? Where, where all English is proper, how do you say it? Insurance. Insurance. Yes. Well, we're going to talk about insurance. Okay. Insurance. Insurance. So today, ladies and gentlemen, on PBS, the topic is insurance. <laughs> who oh, needs it and who Brits wants it? it. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I, I Yeah, I don't know how the Brits say it, but we could probably Google that up and figure it out if we okay. wanted to. But this so is we're going to talk about insurance. Who needs it and who wants it? Now, here's the first problem when we start talking about insurance. Um, the first problem, uh, there are several problems. We're going to go through a few of them. Uh, invariably, though, one of the early problems is this. People who need insurance don't want it. People who need insurance don't want it. I had a young father in my office. He's about 30 years old. He started a new business. He's got a wife. He's got a small child. If I recall, the wife is pregnant. He's a smart guy. And he came to me because he's going to get so rich in this new business that he started that he wants to talk about all kinds of highfalutin tax strategies because he's heard that I am a tax expert. See, I told you he was a smart yes. guy. He was listening to <laughs> your podcast. Because I am a tax expert. But before I talk taxes with him, I wanted to do the basics. You see, if you'll think about this like building a house, taxes are somewhere up on the roof in the finishing touches, and we have to be sure there's a foundation in place first. And the foundation for a young couple begins with the question of what happens if the breadwinner, in this case, the daddy, is suddenly disabled and unable to work and bring home an income, or if he is killed, in which case it's pretty difficult for him to work and bring home an income. So, uh, you know, if, if young people, they're never going to be disabled because that's not going to happen. Now, you and I can get disabled getting out of bed in the morning because that's what happens when you uh, have uh, when you're filled with wisdom. When, when you, you have wait, some years behind you. 
and, and filled with wisdom. It's the yeah, weight wisdom. of the yeah. wisdom yeah. that exactly. is so hard to get out of the bed in the morning. So we can become crippled up. But young people are never going to have a disability hit them. And they're never going to die. They're going to live forever. And so talking to them about a product that really is designed about being disabled or about dying in the case of life insurance <laughs> is not something they want to talk about. Uh, so I started the conversation with this young guy saying, well, okay, it's great. We can talk about taxes. If you ever make any money, maybe there'll be some things that you'll need to do. But what you really need to think about as a young dad is how you're going to protect your wife. If you should die, how you're going to protect your baby. And so I just said, what have you done? And the answer was, well, he hadn't done anything. And he even said something to me to the effect of, well, she'll be fine. She'll have money. If I should die, she can run the business. Now, now really, let's stop and think about that. He bought the business. She didn't. She's a young woman, like 22 or three. Oh, wow. Um, she's got a small child and another one on the way. And so now she becomes a widow. And I'm hoping that she loves you. So when you, she die, when you die, she's racked with grief. And yet you expect her to be up and running this business that you just bought that hasn't made a profit yet. And, and you want her to be up and out of the house each morning at seven down at the office running the business, dispatching the trucks and supervising the employees. Young man, you need to think about this risk. Now, the young man didn't appreciate the coaching from the old man because <laughs> mm. he didn't see it that way. And that's why I say that people who need insurance often don't want it. And then there's another category of people, Patrice. Some of them are more our generation. They're people who want insurance but don't need it. Here's an example. Have you seen those life insurance commercials? And they, they feature an old washed up television or movie actor. Several and, of them. Several yeah, oh, of them. Oh, there's lots of them. That, uh, Fred Thompson, the senator from Tennessee. He was, I liked him, by the way. He had such a cool voice and had a swagger approach to things. I really liked him. He was good. He was good on those commercials. He was good on Law and Order. He was good uh, <laughs> in the United States Senate. He, he was really good at all that stuff. But Fred Thompson used to hawk some insurance product. I don't remember what it was. I think I've even seen Tom Selleck. Oh, Tom Selleck, of Tom, all people. Yes, he was doing you know, the mortgages, too. The, the New York. Uh, police commissioner is hawking reverse mortgages. Well, there are all these characters on TV and they're saying things like a uh, guaranteed issue. We can get you a 65 year old, $10,000 in death benefit for only $99 a month. Henry Winkler. Is Fonzie doing that? Yes, he was. Doing <laughs> I just saw one the other day. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm just Fonzie's hawking insurance. Yeah. Well, you know, so why did they do that? Because old people flock to that stuff. Now, I think it's foolish, and here's why. What's $10,000 going to do for you at this stage in your life? What's it going to do for your family? It might pay for part of your funeral. It might. I'll grant you that. But frankly, at this stage in life, you should have saved enough money that your funeral's already covered. And so the fact that old people flock to these television commercials and they keep running these television commercials mm -hmm. on all of these stations that play all the old movies and so forth – um, this is why I say that people of that age, they probably don't need the insurance, at least not that kind of insurance, but they want the insurance. And I've got a theory about that, by the way, Patrice. <clears throat> My theory is I don't think they really want insurance. I think they want immortality. Huh? I think they're old. I think they're afraid of dying. And I think somehow in the back of their mind, if they buy some life insurance, it makes them feel better about dying. This is just Barry's theory. I could be all wrong on that. Well, you could take it a step. But the first it makes them feel better about dying because they think they are providing for their their demise, their death. And there's their people, you know, their kids won't have to worry about it. Ten thousand dollars. Go to the sock drawer and pull it out. Yeah. You know? yeah. 
So there's the first problem. People who need insurance don't want it. People who want insurance largely don't need it. And that leads us to a second problem. And the second problem is the language surrounding insurance. I think it's goofy. Let me give you an example of that. Why is it called health insurance when it only pays if you're sick? Shouldn't it be called illness insurance? I'm just asking. I'm or, for my farmer friends, we do have some farmers who listen to the podcast. Why is it called crop insurance when it only pays you if you have a crop failure? Shouldn't it be called no crop insurance or crop failure insurance? Or just failure insurance. Well, same idea. Failure insurance. Boy, I need a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us to then the question of life insurance. Why is it called life insurance if it only pays when you die? Shouldn't it be called mm-hmm. death insurance? Yes. So some insurance makes sense. For example, on your home, you can buy fire insurance and it pays if your home burns down. You can buy flood insurance and it pays if your home is flooded out. For your automobile, you can buy collision insurance that pays if you're in a collision. But life insurance pays if you're dead. That just doesn't make sense to me. So I think we have a language problem that's confusing right out of the box. Which brings me to the third problem. And the third problem is, People hate life insurance, and they avoid life insurance salesmen like the plague. Generally, the only people uh, I've ever met who really had given up their hate for insurance companies were the people who had cashed a death claim check, and they suddenly had an appreciation for insurance companies. Hmm. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Patrice, and I'm going to say that it's not really the insurance company that people hate. It's not insurance that they hate. Uh, It probably isn't even the insurance agent. But the problem is that insurance has never been properly and patiently explained so that people could understand it. Instead, it's been rushed. Buyers often feel pushed into a corner without getting answers to all their questions. And though they finally sign on the bottom line, they still feel queasy because they don't really understand. And so that's why on today's podcast and in my office when we meet, We really take a tremendous amount of time in trying to help people understand insurance. We probably spend more time in our meetings on insurance than any other thing we do. We draw pictures, and I'm going to draw some pictures in the air today that if you've got a good imagination, hopefully you'll be able to see them coming into your mind. We talk about concepts. I use illustrations and analogies to give explanations, and we then look at actual numbers on here's how much you put in, here's how much you'll take out under these different and varying circumstances so that we can see what a deposit in insurance does and does not do for the owner and for the insured and make sure that it's a good fit. I often say that these visits, we call them protection visits. In our office, your meetings start with your discovery visit and your discovery visit goes to your architecture visit where we talk about what the architecture your plan leaves is going to look like. And then after we have said, okay, let's build the house. Then we, after we build the house, we start talking about protecting the house, the insurance side of that. So we call these protection visits. And I say that it's like visiting a shoe store. Now here's the problem generationally again, Patrice is uh, some of our listeners don't know what I'm talking about. When I say it's like visiting a shoe store, you and I remember when you go, <laughs> used to go in a shoe store and people, first of all, it was a shoe store. It wasn't a shoes and clothing and housewares and whatever store. It was a shoe store. That's all they had. And they would meet you at the door and there were multiple people in there to do it. And they would take you to the appropriate section for you. And they would sit you down in front of this long snouted thing where they would put the shoe on your foot. They handled your foot. What a nasty job handling people's (laughs) feet. There are some people's feet I wouldn't have minded handling, but most of them probably wouldn't want to. You remember they put you in that little bracket thing to measure your foot. When's the last time you saw one of those? 
I haven't in a long yeah. time. You're right. And well, when's the last time anybody put a shoe on your foot? When's the last time anybody was in the store to help you find the shoe? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. But you and I remember when that was the norm for going into a shoe store. So they would help you find the shoe that fit your foot. And then you walk around the store and you say, now, how does it fit? Is it too wide? Is it too tight? Does it feel good? Does it walk out right? Is this the shoe you want? The shoe you don't want. Same thing happens on a protection visit. What we do is we walk that shoe around the store and say, how does this fit? Is this the right fit? Is this the right thing? Does this work for you? And sometimes people are like, I love the shoe. And sometimes people are like, I hate the shoe. And sometimes people are like, I like the concept of the shoe. The shoe looks pretty good, but I don't think it quite fits me. Can mm -hmm. we get a little wider, a little narrower, a little longer? And we work the shoe until the shoe fits. We work the insurance until it's the appropriate kind of insurance for the situation. And that's always going to be one of two kinds of insurance, Patrice. There's only two kinds. The first is called death insurance. And the second is called life insurance. Now, Let's unpack those, if you don't mind. Death insurance is the insurance you need, the insurance you need. Now, why do you need it? Because you need to protect your family against what happens if you should die and they lose your income. Dying is the operative term here. That's why I call it death insurance. See, up to now, everybody's always called it life insurance. That's dumb. It's death insurance. So think about when you die. When you die, who's going to pay for the food that goes on the table and the roof that goes over your head? Or rather, not your head, because the casket is over your head. <laughs> the, uh, the dirt in the grave is over your head. Who's going to pay for the roof that goes over the head of your loved ones? Who's going to clothe them? Who's going to pay for summer camp? Who's going to pay for college? I've got a wedding coming up in June the 17th. Who's going to pay for the wedding? Who's going to tuck that money away so that your spouse is building up a retirement so that when the kids are gone and your wife's too old to work, your husband's too old to work, they've got something to fall back on. These are all the things that death insurance does. Now, how much death insurance do you need? Well, that's different for everybody, but let's just think about this. If you have small children and it takes your family $50,000 a year to live, that's less than $1,000 a week. A lot of people can't get by on that much, but I'm not trying to make this bigger than it needs to be. I'm just trying to help you think rationally. If it takes your family $50,000 a year to live, and those kids are going to be in the family for upwards of 20 years, that's a million dollars that you're going to spend just on those basic family expenses. Now, if you've got young children, what you haven't figured out yet is the older they get, the more the expenses increase because suddenly there's music lessons and there's club dues. And there's sports leagues and every girl, every little girl needs a pony. Never got and one. Never. Got <laughs> you're still waiting on your pony. If I'm you come waiting. to my house, I can just put you on horseback all day long. You can ride <laughs> and ride and ride. We've got two of them. Molly and Smurf are their names. Smurf. And Molly and Smurf will treat you really, really well. I need so, In fact, we put little kids on them all the time and, and we have a good experience with that. You know, there are going to be summer camps and there's going to be college tuition. There's going to be a car to buy at age 16. It's pretty easy to just tally all that stuff up and say, well, I don't know how much that's going to cost, but there's easily another million dollars there. And what about paying off the house? Probably going to be a half million dollars mm -hmm. there. And then how much does the surviving spouse need to go into a, an account for their eventual retirement? It's easy to see how a middle-class young family if they lost the breadwinner from the home, could need as much as $3 million in death benefits to cover the loss of the breadwinner. Now, the good news is you can get $3 million worth of coverage relatively inexpensively on a young parent. For example, 
A 30-year-old male non-smoker in good health can get $3 million worth of death benefit for about $350 a month. And that death benefit will last for 30 years. So if you die any time in that 30-year period, your family will get this $3 million. Now, at the end of 30 years, the kids are raised. The house is paid for. The college is paid for. The 401k is full. And the need to cover your income if you should die has greatly diminished. So your insurance needs have diminished. And therefore, at the end of 30 years, your insurance coverage ends and you quit paying for it. But if you had died any time during that time, your family would have received $3 million. Now, that kind of insurance, Patrice, is called term insurance. It pays only for a specific term, in this case, 30 years. Now, you can get 10-year term, 20-year term, 30-year term. I've even think I've seen 40 year term, but then it's at the end of the term, whenever it is, it ends. And technically it doesn't end. What happens is they just say, okay, in the next year, you're 31, instead of paying 350 bucks, your insurance bill is going to be 13,000 bucks. <laughs> so it ends because everybody said, well, I'm not paying that. <laughs> uh, if, if you die anytime in that period, then you get paid. But if you don't die during that period, then it never pays. So it's either use it or lose it, either die and get paid or you will not get anything out of this insurance. Use it or lose it is a little rough, don't you think? No, I think it clearly articulates. I'm a communicator and my job is to help people understand. So, you know, they may think it's crass and they may not like the way I say insurance, but they're going to go away saying, I understand I ought to use it or lose it. And using it would mean dying. And that's not such a good idea. And that's going to lead us to a different kind of insurance in just a moment. But first, I want to explain to you a little bit, Patrice, about really what insurance is. Insurance is a social contract. That's what they teach in college, by the way. Insurance is a social contract where you replace an unknown large loss with a guaranteed small loss. Now, the unknown large loss is what happens if you die. It's what happens if the house burns down. It's what happens if you have a car wreck. I don't know what happens in any of those situations, but it might be a big problem financially. So... When you buy insurance, you are agreeing to take a small loss every month in the form of your premium, $350 a month in this analogy. And you put that $350 guaranteed loss in the form of your premium every month over into a big pool with thousands of other people. And you're accepting a guaranteed loss of $350 per month. So that whoever in that large pool, if it's you or if it's someone else, experiences the big loss, they'll have enough money to cover the big loss. You're substituting an acceptable small loss for a big catastrophic loss. That is shared risk. And shared risk is one of the primary components of insurance. That's what makes insurance insurance. Wouldn't How about it be that? wonderful if it were part of a finance class that we all got in high school? Well, why do you do this to me so much, you and all the other folks? Every time I teach a class, people come up and say, I need to be teaching this in high school. Yes. Uh, why do you teach me this in school? Well, you hey, they'll look at me and they're like, well, you need to be teaching this to the young people. You need to teach this to my kids. Look around the room. Everybody's gray-haired and pot-gutted. There aren't any young people in this room. Young people are going to soccer practice. They're driving soccer cars. The moms are raising babies. Dad's struggling at home just trying to bring some energy to the family. They're not focused on this stuff. But if and we understood what, it, 
we could prepare for it. Well, and I agree. And a, a time to help them understand it is before all the burdens of parenting yes. and, and the adult burdens hit them. So get this plugged into their brains early. You're absolutely right. But, you know, by the way, people who listen to the podcast and when I make smart remarks about stuff like this on social media, they all say, well, that's required in Missouri. We have a uh, we have a class that requires this. Well, you probably do, but it's probably taught by somebody who doesn't know <laughs> how this stuff works. And, and whoever wrote the curriculum, it may not be any good either. So I, I can't fix all the world's social problems. What I've had, see, I can't save everybody. So what I have decided is I'm going to save the people who raise their hand and say they want to be saved. I'm going to save the people who say, I've been listening to your podcast and I want to talk to you. And we focus on just taking care of those folks because we can't go change the way the education system works. So there's your little education for you on how insurance works and how you replace a an unknown large loss with a guaranteed small loss. We're going to take a break right now and hear a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we'll talk about the insurance that people don't need, but they actually want. You're listening to the truth about taxes and retirement. This episode of the truth about taxes and retirement is brought to you by the WealthCare Corporation, a national personal wealth management firm with taxes at its center because they realize that no matter how well you do with savings and investments, it won't matter if you don't get the taxes right. Let's face it, retiring is complicated, and you want to be sure you do it right the first time. Finances are complicated. You may think you need to talk taxes, and you do, but the eventual taxes won't matter if you don't protect your family with the right kind and amount of insurance now. And insurance isn't just for young people to protect their families from death. It can be for retired folks, protecting them and their family from catastrophic nursing home costs. But can you qualify? Gee, this is complicated. That's why you need experts like WealthCare. They'll help you figure this out, buying only the right kind and amount of insurance if you need it. And that is part of an overall comprehensive plan, including a retirement income strategy focused on after-tax income so that you can feel more confident that you'll have the income you need every year throughout your retirement. Helping people live and retire with confidence, age with dignity, and create a legacy for their family, that's what they're all about at WealthCare. Visit them on the web today at savingyoutaxes.com. Barry Watts back with the truth about taxes and retirement. Now, before the break, we were talking about insurance that you need, death insurance. And we're going to switch up now and begin talking about the insurance that people want. Yes, I said insurance that people want, life insurance. It's the insurance that pays if you live. Now, you'll recall that term insurance, like we talked about before the break, only pays if you die. Well, now we're going to talk not about term, but about PERM, permanent insurance that pays benefits if you die, but it also pays benefits if you live because the benefits can be really significant. This is the kind of insurance that you purchase, not based on how much it costs. That's never the question. So how much does it cost? It's how much money do you want to put in? How much benefit do you want to buy? How much would you like to contribute? Because the more you put in, the greater the benefit. Now, why would anybody contribute to permanent insurance? And by the way, there are people with podcasts out there who will tell you that I am the devil incarnate for even mentioning permanent insurance, letting you know that it's available. There are very famous financial people 
uh, in the media who um, make a living by beating up on permanent insurance. And they're just ignorant is what they are. They don't understand how it works. They're taking uh, the way permanent insurance worked 40 and 50 years ago and applying it to today's situation. And, you know, things have changed. Take, for example, in your hand right now, you perhaps like me have an iPhone. You may be listening to this podcast through your iPhone, as a matter of fact. Well, the phone that you used 40 or 50 years ago, is a lot different than the phone you use today, wouldn't you say? And so, you what if somebody lose said, it. you could never lose it? That's right, you couldn't lose it. But what, what if somebody said, "Well, you don't need one of those phones. You know, you get your neck tangled up in that phone thing. That thing just rings <laughs> off the wall. You know, there'll be people on your party line, dude. They've changed phones. <laughs> phones do a lot of other things since then, and that's how insurance has changed. It's a lot different today than it was forty or fifty years ago." So I want to help you understand why people would want to voluntarily contribute to permanent life insurance. And the first answer is because it's a tax-free account. Now, everybody likes tax-free. It's easy to get people wrapped up in a tax-free conversation. Most people think that the only tax-free account that is available is a Roth IRA. And Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, Roth conversions, those are indeed tax-free accounts. Now, some people who think they're smarter than the rest of us will say, oh, wait, 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 there's a thing called a tax-free municipal bond. But a tax-free municipal bond is not really tax-free because you can pay a tax on that bond if you sell it early. And the income you receive from that bond causes your social security to be taxed and causes you to pay more for your Medicare. So tax-free bonds aren't really tax-free. Roth IRA accounts are tax-free, but also life insurance accounts are tax-free. And so one of the big reasons that we use life insurance in our practice for some of our clients is because of the tax-free nature. And I just was remembering, as I, I this is totally off topic, probably. We'll see if I can go down this, chase this rabbit and come back and find the trail that I was on. But I was just thinking about a guy who came to a class that I taught over at Missouri State University not long ago. And he was, um, he, he came in and met with us the first time. And for the holidays, he went to see his family. And he came back and called our office and said, cancel my next appointment. I went home and talked to my father-in-law and he said, there's no way I should be talking to you because you're talking about life insurance and that's a bad thing. I don't want to meet with you. Oh dear. Well, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) First of all, thank you. You're the wrong guy. I don't want to meet with you either. But the see, the guy was talking about life insurance, the phone on the wall. He wasn't talking about the phone that was in his hand and all the things that it would do for him. And one of those things is that it will provide tax-free growth of all your money. So the question I often ask people is this, if there were no limits on how much you could put inside your Roth IRA, how much would you contribute? And frequently, uh, almost invariably, the answer is a, a very little variation. It's this sentence, as much as possible. Yes. Well, that's what a life insurance contract properly structured. If it's properly structured, that's what a life insurance contract can do. It's a big tax-free account that works in a manner similar to a Roth IRA account. So that's the first reason people would contribute to life insurance. Now, there's a second reason people would contribute, and it's because it pays tax-free income when you retire. Tax-free income when you retire. I've got one of these policies. My policy is set up and designed so that at age 70, it starts paying me just a little under $100,000 a year tax-free. And it's right on course to do that. I'm kind of excited about that $100,000. <laughs> Third thing it provides is it provides tax-free health care benefits 
to pay for long-term care if you get into a chronic illness kind of situation. So how could it be a bad thing to have a method to pay for your illness when that time comes? And then fourthly, it can expand the legacy that's left to your family. You ask people, do you love your family? Yes. Do you want to leave something to your family? Yes, I'd like to leave something to my family. I hope we have something left to leave to my family. Well, I hope so too. You know, a way to guarantee you will have something left to leave something to your family is let's buy you a guaranteed life insurance policy where you know how much you're going to have to put in every year and you know upon your death how much will be left for the kids. It's guaranteed. And it's not just guaranteed. It leverages up the amount you put in. For example, remember the kid we were talking about earlier who was putting in $350 a month. And if you fell over dead next month, it pays his family $4.3 million. That's pretty big leverage. $350 comes $4.3 million. <laughs> that, that's bigger leverage than normal, by the way, because he's so young and so healthy. Right. For a guy my age, the leverage will be something more like 10 times. You put in uh, you put in uh, $50,000 and you die and you get $500,000, something more like that. But still, if your objective is to leverage up your estate, life insurance is a great tool to make that happen. Now, how do you design an insurance policy? How, where do we start with this? Well, we start not with how much does it cost, but we start with this question. How much do you want to allocate per month for a deposit into a tax-free insurance account? How much would you want to put into that account? And the answer is, well, it depends on how much money you got, how much excess money you have. Uh, you know, if you've got an extra $4,000 a month, well, that's $48,000 a year. You can put in a tax-free insurance account that leverages up the death benefit and provides tax-free income for you when you retire. So maybe for you, it's only $1,000. I'm thinking about two different cases that I've dealt with recently, where in one case, they had um, they had $1,000 a month that they wanted to put in. And in another case, she had $16,000 a year. I'm not sure how that how that worked out. We're 4000 a quarter. Uh, yeah, maybe. that was, Anyway, that's how much money she had available. So that's the amount that she put in. But then we've got other people. In fact, I just had one last week where we're putting in um, $1,000 a month. Yeah, that was, I think, the case probably I already mentioned. So the first question is, how much do you want to contribute? And the second question is, for how long? Now, you can contribute to these for as long as you want to. A lot of people want to go as far as possible because if it's a tax-free account, let's build it as much as we can. But some people, they're still a little bit allergic to it because it's got insurance, the word insurance, and they just kind of think that might be a bad thing, you know? And so they want to see that there's an end to it. So sometimes we'll design these as what we call five pay, seven pay, or 10 pay, meaning you're going to pay this for five years and then you're done. You're never going to put any more money in it. Or seven years, you're never going to put any more money in it. So you get to decide not only how much you want to put in, but you get to decide how long you want to contribute to it. Does it still grow after that? Yes, yes, it still grows after that. Obviously, if you keep putting in, if you put in 10 years, a 10 pay will grow bigger than a five pay would because you've put more fuel in the tank. But it will grow based on how much fuel you have put into the tank. And then the question that comes out of that is, okay, if this is the amount of fuel we put into the tank, how much income will it eventually provide? And that's a math question. And we can figure that out. And, and we'll say, well, at 65, it provides this much income, but at 80, it provides that much income. And I'll tell you, when we set these up, we generally set them up to not pay out until later, 80 and beyond. And here's why. They can pay out anytime. And how we set it up is just illustrative. It can be changed anytime we want to, but we figure you're going to retire at 65 and you're going to spend all the money in your IRA and your 401k and all the other money you've got. And taxes are rising the entire time you've retired and you're spending this money. So when you get further into retirement, taxes are higher. That's the perfect time to tap into your tax-free account. 
So that's why we delay the Roth IRAs and we delay the insurance until later in retirement. We spend the taxable money first because we think tax rates are going to go higher as we move further and further into retirement. Then we look at how much long-term care coverage will it provide and how much death benefit will it provide. So let me give you an example. Let's take our 30-year-old healthy male again, and he's depositing $500 a month into a permanent insurance contract, not a death insurance, which only pays if he dies, but this is life insurance that's going to pay him for living. Now, for that $500 a month, he's going to get a policy that starts with about $130,000 in death benefit. And over his lifetime, that $130,000 is going to grow. Every year it goes up. It's going to increase to about $450,000. And then at age 65, it's going to start paying him $25,000 a year tax-free for the next 25 years. He just built himself a pension, a tax-free pension. So let's go over the math again. He's putting in $500 a month. He's going to put in that $500 a month every year. For 30 years, at the end of 30 years, he's going to retire and start taking an income out of it, $25,000 a year tax-free for the next 25 years. That's a benefit not for dying, but living. That's why we call this life insurance. And oh, if he should need it at age 75, it could pay him $70,000 a year for health care costs, a benefit for living. So that's an example of how permanent insurance works. Now, The process for obtaining either one of these kinds of insurance is, first of all, you got to figure out what you want, and that's something that we help people do. And then we have to be sure and get you qualified. And the insurance company gives you a health rating. They generally will take uh, lab results and uh, medical records from your physician. And sometimes they have somebody come out to your house and you urinate in a cup and they take some blood out of your arm and they send all this into the laboratory and they will find out if there's anything wrong with you, what's going on in your health. And they'll give you a health rating. And here's the way I like to explain the health ratings. They rate you from one to 20. One is an Olympic athlete and 20 is dead. (laughs) So so you're going to be somewhere from one to 20. Now, we usually start out by guessing that you're rated about a four. In other words, you're not perfect. But you remember the lady I mentioned just a moment ago who had 16,000 a year to put in? We just got her rating back yesterday, and she has a one rating. She's an Olympic athlete. And she couldn't wait to get home and tell her her, uh, husband that she was an Olympic athlete. And so once we get a rating from the insurance company, and it takes 30, 60 days or so usually to get the rating, well, then we get an offer from the insurance company. So we rate this person to three. And based on a three rating, then based on the amount of money we were planning on putting into the contract, well, then here's how much death benefit you could have. Here's how much income you could have. Here's how much benefit for long-term care you could have. And that's where we sit down and we analyze the offer. Now we're in the shoe store. And we say, all right, we're going to put this shoe on your foot. Now, how's that fit on your foot? Now, get up, walk around the room. How does it feel? Do you like the shoe? Do we need to adjust the shoe? Because we know you're rating now. So we know how much benefit there is, how much cushion is in the shoe. Does the shoe fit? Do we need a wider shoe, a narrower shoe, a longer shoe, a shorter shoe? A shoe with a thicker sole. What do we need? That's the process of how you get qualified to have life insurance. And and the promise I always make everybody make to me is this. I'm just a messenger. So if the insurance company rejects you and doesn't accept you, you need to not take it out on me. You have to promise you won't be mad at me because I've had people yell at me about this. You know, I'm not the one who's been drinking hard for 30 years. 
I just had a case fail, a big, big, big case on a, a guy a little older than me because of his alcohol problems. I had a young man, very young man, like 30-ish, that it didn't fail, but it came back severely rated. His score was further toward 20 than it was toward the one. And it's like, he's healthy as a horse. Look at him. What can it be? Well, he was a hard drinker every weekend down at the lake, and that was showing up in his liver results. So these are the kinds of things that they discover in that whole process. So if you don't get the rating you're looking for, you can't be mad at me. That's the whole point. So, Can you go go back, Barry, and have it done again in a couple of years? Yes, you can in a couple of years, but what if you die in that couple of years? Well, And and secondly, your cost of insurance when you're a couple of years older is a couple of years higher. So, so yes, you can, things can change and you can get your body cleaned up, so to speak, but people are going to do what people are going to do. Hard drinkers are going to continue to hard drink. Hard drug users are going to continue to use drugs. People who eat fried chicken and macaroni and cheese are going to eat macaroni and cheese. So kind of what we got is probably what we're going to get. That's sort of the way we look at those kinds of things. So to bring this in for a landing, Patrice, let's talk about our listener. Let's talk about their situation. And to you, listener, do you need insurance? I don't know, because I don't know you. And how much insurance do you need? Guess what? I don't know. And there's only one way to find those things out, and that's to have a conversation about. And we'll figure out together whether you need insurance, and if so, what kind of insurance you need, what's possible, and what's not possible. And you can start that conversation by going to www.savingyoutaxes.com. And there you'll find a phone number where you can call or even a calendar link where you can schedule an appointment to talk with one of my fellow advisors at the Wealth Care Corporation. And in that conversation together, you and they will figure out what you need. It might be me. You might even be lucky enough to get me on that call. I don't know, depending on what the schedule is that day. But whoever you're talking to will work with you to figure out what you need and how to proceed in a way that best takes care of whatever kind of problem you are hoping to solve, whether it's insurance or retirement or tax-related. You see, that's why we do this podcast. We want to help you arrest the questions and solve the financial problems that you know you have and even the ones that you may not know you have. We want to teach you the truth about taxes and retirement so that you can make the best decisions possible, allowing you to retire with confidence, age with dignity, and create a legacy for your family. Now, do me a favor, if you would. If you think the podcast would be helpful to your friends, would you please click on the share button and send a link to the people that you care about most? Or post it to social media so your friends and family can get the same benefits that you do from listening. Thanks. I'll appreciate it if you'll, if you'll do that. Thank you very much. Until next time, I'm Barry Watts, your host on the truth about taxes and retirement, reminding you that no matter how fabulous you are with money and investing, if you don't get the insurance and the taxes right, nothing else matters. This has been a production of the Wealth Care Corporation, found on the web at savingyoutaxes.com. The concepts discussed are for informational and educational purposes only and should not be implemented without first consulting with your own legal, tax, and investment counsel. This has not been an offer to buy, sell, or invest in securities, and this information is to be taken as educational concepts and not as specific advice for you. The lawyers and regulators like for us to remind you that all investment involves risk, 
and you could lose money. Past performance is never a guarantee of future results. Tax strategy services are provided by American Tax Strategies, LLC. Investment advisory services are provided by Wealthcare Asset Management, LLC. Thank you for listening to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of SavingYouTaxes.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your own qualified advisor with any questions you may have regarding taxes and investing.